0: My name is Tim, and today I'll be reading from Philippians chapter 2, verses 1-11. through 11. So, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, God, I pray that your spirit would rest on Jeremy today as he preaches. Um, I pray that you would guide him in guiding us to understand your word better and that you would use his words to um, bring your spirit into our lives. Amen.
1: Thank you, Tim. Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Jeremy, I'm on staff here at Mosaic. Um, it's a privilege to be able to share a God's word with you this morning. Um, this past Friday, um, a group of us were here, right where you are sitting. Um, some of us, some of you also joined online um, as we had a memorial service uh, for our Brooke John Filer. He passed away unexpectedly a couple of weeks ago. Um, And to much of the world around us, John was someone um, who people would turn away from, who wouldn't really um, spend time getting to know. Because when John first came to Mosaic, when he first came to our church, uh, he was uh, at a homeless shelter in Rockville. He had a a tough history. He had been estranged and um, separated from his family. He was just struggling to find um, enough food at the end of the day. But here, here he found community. Here he found family. And here he became family to us. And over the years, John became a friend and a brother to many of you. He would welcome just about everyone at church. He would show up early, ask you how you're doing, spend time really getting to know you. He would, he's a selfless man. He would bring candy and food for the kids. He would always be thinking about how he can put a smile on someone's face some of you know his uh his unique humor Um, some of you got it and maybe some of you just looked at him with the with a look of confusion or question on your face but john was someone who loved people he wanted to serve people with everything that he had Yeah, and on that day, we just remember the ways in which uh, John was um, serving other people. One way he had served me in particular uh, was during the pandemic. A couple of weeks in when things were kind of shutting down and we weren't quite sure how long this thing would last, I I get a call on my phone from John. Uh, Unexpected, we call each other from time to time, but it was a little bit surprising. But he called me and he said, um, happy birthday. And I'm like, okay, uh, my birthday's not till August. Uh, But that was was John's humor. And from that day on, he called me pretty much every week. I could expect it was either coming in the middle of the week on a Wednesday or a Thursday. Around four or five o'clock, I would receive his call. And I, I wish I could say that I was calling John just as much as he was calling me. But I can't say that. John was a kind man, a tender-hearted man, and he was someone who exemplified Christ to me, and he displayed this fruit of kindness. We, are, we have been going through this uh, sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit And today we're going to be looking at particularly the fruit of kindness. The apostles, they regularly use this word of fruit to describe all the ways in which the Spirit gives us new life and changes our hearts and begins to sprout out new fruits in our lives. And when we think of kindness, particularly this is how we relate to one another, how we treat one another. And so we can be good people. We can be religious people. But without kindness, we do not reflect the God that we love and that we serve. And so here in Philippians 2, the Apostle Paul, for him, the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice for Paul is not death, but it is a life of service. To live, to be able to serve, to suffer in order to love those to, to love others more than oneself. And this is a life of kindness that Paul is calling the Philippian Church to embody, and he calls us to embody as well. And so we will look at kindness in two points this morning. First, the nature of true kindness and the model of true kindness. So first the nature in verses one through four paul he lays out the nature of true kindness what it is and what it is not and so first he begins by showing us the foundation the roots of kindness in verse one paul begins he says if there is any encouragement in christ any comfort from love any participation in the spirit any affection and sympathy Paul is not questioning whether these things are present in the philippians he's not questioning whether this is a reality he is simply reminding them of what is true he's reminding them of the supernatural and objective realities of what they have in christ and the reality is for the philippians and for believers today is that they have life in the spirit. They are unified to him, that all of these wonderful things are there for us, for his children. There is encouragement when you're down. There is comfort when you're in pain. Love when you are unworthy. Affection when you're distant from God. And sympathy when you're hurting. We may not always feel close to God, but when we are united to him, all of these things are available to us. So be reminded, Christian, of who you are and whom you belong to. And in verse 2, Paul continues, and he is sensing that in the Philippian church, they are beginning to fall off the path of true kindness, that he senses that there is division amongst them that there is disunity, why? Because simply a lack of kindness. In verse three, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Paul is clear that he is concerned with how these believers are treating one another and specifically their lack of kindness. So true kindness, true kindness to Paul is counting others more significant than you. It's putting the interest of others above your own. Now this sounds simple. This sounds like a nursery or an elementary lesson. But kindness is not easy. Kindness is not easy. It isn't easy to count others more significant than yourself. It's not easy putting others first. And it's not easy because we are selfish people. <clears throat> and we have made an idol of ourselves. And we can even be selfish when we're actively, when we're actively being kind to others. So Paul warns us that our kindness can actually be a false kindness that on the outside on the outside it may look fine it may look like that we are really concerned for others that we our kindness is directed towards others but on the inside there is actually self-love there's pride there's fear false kindness is being useful to others only when it is useful to you False kindness has contingencies. It has expectations. Expectations that that kindness would either be repaid or paid forward to someone else. A kind of, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. So Paul is saying that kindness that expects kindness back is a false kind of kindness. That this kindness, that is self-serving, that is inward, that is focused on yourself, that wants to be noticed, that wants to be given credit, that is not true kindness. And it's more than just being nice or cordial. You can still be nice, but still be in the flesh. True kindness, true kindness is is counting others more significant than yourself, putting others interest over your own and the spirit the spirit has to give you that that is not natural that's not something that we can conjure up on our own and paul knows this he knows that we can't truly be kind on our own so he points us to christ who is the ultimate model of god's kindness if i turn your attention to verses 5 through 11 we arrive to the most important verses of this book of Philippians. We arrive to this beautiful poem. Some call it to the Christ hymn. It is a condensed version of the gospel story. It has echoes of Adam in the garden. It has echoes of the suffering servant from the prophet Isaiah. And these verses take us into Christ's mind, the type of mindset that he had. And it takes us into his mindset from eternity past to his incarnation and in his life, death, and resurrection, and even to the future. It is a mindset of service and self-sacrifice, of true kindness. And this is the mindset that Paul is calling us to have amongst ourselves. In verses 6 through 7, we start... At the beginning or before the beginning in eternity past before all of creation before time christ was there christ was there in a perfect harmony and fellowship in the trinity between god the father god the son and god the spirit and before becoming human christ existed in a state of glory, in a state of honor. And so he had equality with God, as Paul And so there is both a, a mystery, but also a great wonder here. But we can still say that Christ had equal status with God. That Christ did not consider this equality with God something to grasp or to take for himself. Now, this idea of grasping and taking, it reminds us of Adam as he grasped the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And why did he grasp that fruit? Why did he take the fruit that he was commanded not to take? Genesis tells us that he grasped it and he took it because he wanted to what? To be like God, to be on God's level. And so unlike Adam, who tries to seize equality with God, the Messiah chose not to exploit his status for his own gain. Instead, what did Christ do? He emptied himself. He emptied himself of his status, of his equality. How did he do this? By taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men, as verse 7 says. So as a servant, as a German, excuse me, he became a servant to all. And this goes against everything in the ancient Near Eastern world, and this against everything in our world today. If you are at the top, why would you give that up? Why would you give that up? Everything that you could ever want, why would you give that up? And he gives it because he is not like us. That he has a different mindset. That his mind is not set on himself, but it is set on others. It is set on the need of others. And our need surely was great because our sin was so great. And so he humbled himself to be a servant, to come in the form of man and to be a sacrifice for us. And it says that Christ humbled himself even to the point of death, a humiliating death, a painful and a shameful death. Just imagine that. Here is the one who is equal with God, yet here he is hanging on the cross. Here's the one who has most fully revealed the truth about God, that God is love and that he expresses that love in great kindness and sacrifice for those that he loves. For our sake, for our own interest, for our good, for our chance of redemption and for forgiveness. This is true kindness in its most pure form on display for us to see and to behold and to wonder. And Paul concludes this poem by quoting from Isaiah 45. And in Isaiah 45, the prophet speaks of creation, all of creation coming to recognize the God of Israel, Yahweh, that they come and to bow down and to worship him. But here in Philippians, Paul substitutes Jesus Jesus' name for Yahweh. So he takes Yahweh's name and he puts in Jesus' name. And he can do that because Jesus has been exalted, that he has been lifted high up to to the highest honor, that he's given the name above all names. And this picture that is placed before us is creation at the end of time. So we've kind of come to the end of the story, that it is Christ who's going to be exalted and glorified. And if we follow Christ's example of kindness, of emptying ourselves, humbling ourselves, valuing others more than ourselves, then we too may join him in glory. Jackie Hill Perry, she's a a music um, artist, a poet, and an author, and she speaks of how true kindness can only come from the Spirit. She says, there is a kindness that only the Spirit of God can produce in us. It goes beyond being nice and cordial. It's more miraculous than a forced smile. Beyond our natural ability to construct, kindness reminds The world, it reminds the world of God and how Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God's kindness towards us. That he gave him without asking. The benevolent God models this still. And so this true kindness of placing others above above ourselves, this is a work of the Spirit. It is supernatural. We cannot do it on our own. So then the question is, how can we grow this fruit? How can we cultivate this fruit of kindness? And so to conclude, I'm just going to offer just a few practical points of how we can cultivate kindness in our lives. First, it needs to be rooted in our identity. That kindness is a is a horizontal expression of the vertical security that we have in God. That in because God has shown us great kindness, that that can extend to those around us. Kindness is rooted in and flows from our faith in Christ. Second, that our kindness needs to be regular, not random regular not random random acts are kind are are easy to say a kind word to call someone out of the blue those things are easy they are just brief bursts of goodness moments of times of where we give up our energies our energy our resources and our time But the kindness that God calls us to is relational. It's covenantal. It's a commitment for the long haul. God's kindness is grounded in his character. It's woven through history. It is written in his blood. And so God's kindness is not random. It's as regular as his character. And so our kindness, too, must be regular as well. Third, our our kindness must not have any strings attached to it. No requirements, no prerequisites. It's not like Southern hospitality hospitality that's experienced in the East. Looks warm on the outside and inviting, but with it comes heavy expectations. Expectations of reciprocation. That kindness would be paid forward or it would be paid back. Or that the recipients of the kindness, they should be worthy of it. Our kindness must overcome boundaries. It must upend people's expectations. You must give gladly to the ungrateful. Show kindness to the worthy and to the unworthy. Kindness is to be given freely, no strings attached. Finally, our kindness must come at a cost. One strength of true kindness is the stamina or the strength to face hard things. Chronic conditions demand chronic kindness and that is costly. Many who are in need of care They face chronic and long-term issues. Troubles that won't go away. Wounds that take time to heal. Kindness that costs us a little bit, just a little bit of our time, of our energy, of our efforts. Sometimes that can just be salt in the wound. Costly Costly kindness makes multiple visits it returns again and again and again it follows up it endures it endures rejection it listens to frustration it carries the broken until they're whole it nurses the dying until they're at peace it feeds the hungry until they can provide for themselves Kindness bears all of these things. Andrew Boycroft, he's that pastor just across the pond in Ireland, and he said that if your kindness costs, burdens, or burns, then we fall short of the grace given to us, the grace we ought to show compassion. This kindness, it comes. Lost. And it should, with no strings attached, be regular. It should be rooted in who we are. And I mentioned how remembering John. We were remembering of what a kind and tender-hearted man he was. But we were also reminded of the kindness that he was shown here. The kindness of the community, of the church, of God's beloved. And that kindness was not easy. That kindness took time, it took sacrifice. It took you here looking to someone else's interests, considering them above yourself. And this is the type of kindness that we need to continue to towards. Because as a church, just beginning to gather again, just beginning to um, have our community and church life close to, back to what what it was like before the pandemic, we have had a year isolation. We have had a year training ourselves to be focused on ourselves, to be inward. And so Christ is calling us to look beyond that, to look beyond ourselves. Dane Ortland in his book, The Gentle Lowly, he says, only as we drink down the kindness of the heart of Christ will leave in our wake as we go the aroma of heaven. Die one day having star- startled the world with the glimpses of a divine kind too great to be boxed in by what we deserve. So brothers and sisters, may we drink the kindness of Christ for it is, ab- it is abundant, it is overflowing, and it truly it is sweet to us. May we be reminded of God's kindness to us in Christ that we may make the great sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice of living a life of service to others. So may, may we truly be kind. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, gracious God, loving God, kind God, Father, we come to you humbly. We come to you humbly, Lord bowed and on our knees father because lord, we have experienced your goodness and your kindness towards us father that we are unworthy of it yet father you showed us lord in christ how to humble ourselves even to the point of death even to the point of humiliation would you help our family here to take our eyes off of ourselves? To not navel gaze, Lord, but to look up, Lord, and to care and to be kind, Lord, to those in our family and also to those around us. Father, we cannot do this without your Spirit. Father, would your spirit move in our hearts? Would it change our hearts? Lord, we lift all these things to you. It's in Christ, name we pray.